Life is made up of challenges. Challenges push us. They see what we're made of. They test our mettle. And more importantly, they change us. They change us into who we are. And if you believe in fate, who we were meant to be. And that's what I'm asking everyone this week. What was the biggest challenge of your life? And how did it change you? Here on Behind Every Story. What's up, everyone? My name's Jason, and this is Behind Every Story. If this is your first time with us, let me explain what's happening. I love stories. I love hearing people's stories from comics to films, songs to jokes, or just meeting someone in a random location and learning about them. I love hearing people's stories. This show is the proverbial director's commentary on the movie of life. This is episode number 37 of 50 of the COVID-50. Before we begin, a note of warning. The topics we explore on the show may not be suitable for all listeners. This podcast deals with real people and real stories. These stories may contain and deal with graphic language, adult themes, sexual content, and violence. Listener discretion is advised. This week, we are discussing what was the biggest challenge of your life. And when you think about it, challenges, like I said earlier, really drive us to who we are and they kind of show us who we really are. Now, another aspect that comes into mind when I ask this question is that everyone is different and everyone has gone through different kinds of challenges. So a challenge to someone where it was monumental in their life may seem small compared to someone else's or vice versa, but it doesn't diminish what that challenge is. It doesn't make one challenge greater or less so. If that person has gone through that challenge so much so that it changed them, that challenge was truly monumental in their life. And that's what I'm interested in hearing about. I love hearing these stories I love hearing how people have come out of these challenges. To me, high school was mostly about sports. Sports and anime and hanging out with friends. I didn't really take my academics seriously until I got to college. And then I realized that you did have to kind of try harder. Granted, in high school, I wasn't a very good academic student. But in college, I started studying things that I liked that I believed in and my grades were okay. But again, I didn't really take it as seriously as I thought I did when I was in it. I thought I was working very hard, but it wasn't until grad school that whooped my ass emotionally and mentally. And sometimes physically when you stay up until four or five in the morning and you have an eight o'clock class, it's truly grinding. And I remember one weekend, I had to edit a film that was due on Monday morning. I started editing it on Thursday. I took a nap Friday evening, and I don't remember the rest of the weekend. I remember at some point I was at Walmart buying a blanket, and I heard people tell me that I was running around the building because I was 
going nuts. But uh, grad school was tough. It was highly demanding and it was struggling and it was challenging. But I'm so happy I went through it. And all the crap I had to deal with the school itself, like the educational part was always fun, even though it was challenging. But the the school part, the the financial part, the trying to just get along <laughs> was so miserable. But again, I'm glad I went through it because now when I deal with someone else in another job or another business aspect, either they're not as bad as the way I was treated at this school or I know how to stand up for myself now because this other person, it's not as important as getting that degree. After I got out of grad school, I tried to get a film job. And I remember this vividly because I sent my demo reel and my resume to 100 businesses. I only heard back from two, and both of them said, we're not hiring. So I had to get a job. It was at this time, about a year, I worked at a place called Tiger Direct. And if you've never heard of Tiger Direct, uh, they mostly sell computers, electronics, things like that. Think Amazon, but only on the electronic side of things. And early on in the internet shopping days, and I say early on, I mean like early 2000s, Tiger Direct was a good place to find good deals on computer parts and things like that. So I was kind of excited to work there. Now, I worked in the depot department, and I got the job, to be honest, I got it lying. I sat down with uh, my interviewer, and they said, do you know how to fix computers? And at that time, mostly I did. And you said, and they said, uh, do you know how to fix cameras and TVs and things like that? And this is where I lied and said, yes, of course. So that was a Friday, and I went home, and I spent all weekend uh, studying about how to open up computers and TVs and learning the ins and outs. And I came to work Monday completely scared. And it was one of my coworkers there who said, none of us knew what we were doing before we got hired. And there was about 12 of us in the depot department. And what the depot department did was, uh, and I really kind of need to explain what this is to get to why it was so challenging. So when you think, um, how many items can you open up, figure out what's wrong? Because 99% of the time, we never got any kind of information. We never got a note. We never got any kind of inclination about what was wrong with it. And that's exactly what we did is while there were many Tiger Directs around the country, we were the only location in America that if you sent something back to, like if you got a TV in the mail and the TV had a dead pixel in it or it just didn't turn on and you sent it back, it came to my room. It came through our area. We had to open it up, check it out, and possibly fix it. So when you can think about how many, say, TVs, computers, and you never know what you're going to get. There's just a skid full of stuff. And... And you think about how many of these things can you fix in a day? Well, I would say someone who's honestly trying to, A, figure out what the problem is, B, fix it, and then C, put it all back together for resale, maybe five, maybe six if you're really good at it. But that's taking apart everything and figuring out the problem and then fixing it. We were told we had to do 
40 items per day, minimum, minimum. And what that forced us to do was to not fix things. If a computer came and we couldn't turn on and we didn't figure out what the problem was, we were told to put it back in the box, put it on the shelf as new, and then when someone buys it and sends it back, we'll worry about it then. It was during this time that I lost a lot of respect and a lot of emotional and mental stability with big business. And this was during the recession of 2008. And every time we had to work overtime, where we were demanded to work overtime, we weren't paid. And it's not that we weren't paid overtime, but we weren't paid for any of the time. We got our normal 40, and then we didn't get any money after that. Sometimes we did, but the grand majority of the time, we didn't. And we complained about it. We asked uh, HR, and we were told to our faces, I remember this so vividly. We were all standing in a semicircle talking to our boss's boss, and they told us that if we don't like it, quit because there are people wanting this this job right now. And it was during a time when I couldn't find a job. I needed to move out of my dad's house. I just graduated from uh, grad school. I was living with my girlfriend, who is now my wife, and we needed a place of our own, and we needed to save money. So during this time of getting up at four in the morning every day to work these 12, 15-hour shifts, it was extremely exhausting. And not so, like, it was exhausting physically, but emotionally it was draining. I remember Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving Day, we had dinner at, like, 10 or 11 in the morning because I had to go to bed at, like, 3 in the afternoon because I had to be up at midnight to go into work for Black Friday. And it was staggering. It got to the point where I thought about running away to the military and not telling anyone, I thought about running away. Um, I thought about suicide. And it seems silly. It seems so stupid to want to end everything over a job. But my whole life, I was taught that you don't quit. You never quit. The only time you should end a job is when something else comes along that you're going back to school or you got another job or something like that, but you don't just quit. And it was so hard. I re remember coming home crying, just feeling so raw and broken and angry and lost. It was a year of my life of just complete and utter unhappiness where I would wake up I'd go cry taking a shower. I would drive to work. I would hate everything about my life during this time. I would go home just to go to sleep and then wake up and do it again. It was miserable. And I felt horrible from it. Now, I know this is very long and I apologize. But after coming out of this, I started my own business. I set up a plan that I was going to quit this job, I gave them a two, no, I'm sorry. I gave them a month notice. I put it on a calendar in my office. I would check off every day. And actually, I'll be honest, I checked off every hour 
that I was there. I had a big spreadsheet and I would just mark off every hour that went by. And the day I put in my one month, because again, I was told that I should never quit. I wanted to give them as much heads up as possible. But the day I gave in my notice was the day my boss pulled, pulled me aside and said, you've been working so hard this past year and you're the most responsible one. We want to uh, give you a promotion to manager. And for a second, for a brief second, even though I had this in my head that I was going to quit and start my own business and do what I actually wanted to do, which was film things, um, I listened and I said, what does that entail? And he said, well, it's a night, night shift. So you'd come in at like four or five and stay overnight. Um, and there's a pay increase. And I asked, well, what's the pay increase? At that time, I was getting $15 an hour. And they said, you would be making $15.25 an hour. And the look of pure satisfaction and happiness when he said $15.25 an hour instantly made me say, Awesome. I am uh, turning in my month notice and I will be quitting in 30 days. And at that point, the job never felt as stressful because what could they do? Fire me? I was going to start my own business. And on March 1st, 2010, I started my own company full time. And that was a challenge all on its own for about a year or two years. But I knew my work ethic. I worked my ass off to get my job where it is now. And I know I can look back on that and say that was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. We're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsor. When we come back, I'm going to ask everyone else what the biggest challenge of their life is. This podcast is brought to you by Night Owls Media. Once upon a time, you met your favorite person and decided to get married. Or you found your passion and started your own business. Or you created something that needed to be shared with the world. Or for some other reason, you found yourself needing a video. Enter Night Owls Media. We are Chicago-based filmmakers who love to travel and honestly believe there is no project too big or too small. Everyone's story deserves to be told, and it's our passion to help tell yours. Night Owls Media stays up late to get the job done right, and we can't wait to meet you and be a part of your story. Contact us today at nightowlsmedia.com and check out all our services that we can provide for you. If you can dream it, we can create it. Nightowlsmedia.com My name is Michael, and I'm in the Naperville area. Dude, stop being a fucking asshole. Every guy has to go through that one phase where they got to stop being a fucking asshole. And I don't say motherfucker the same way I say fucking asshole because it's the truth. Everybody got to get to that point where they realize that they are the problem. When you have a problem and it keeps happening to you, the only factor 
that has stayed true throughout every single problem is that it's happening to you. You are the problem. It's like when you keep getting fired at work, it's like when you keep, you know, not making your electric bill, the only thing that's the same between all these problems you have is that you are the problem. Once you realize that you get to that problem and you have to physically and emotionally and mentally get a grip of yourself, you can finally get to the one thing you wanted, which is where you're at right now. Sorry, I had to burp for a second. But <laughs> um, I say that all to say this is that that's it. It's just you are the problem. Once you get over that shit, bro, it's a, it's a done deal. You got to stop being an asshole. I am Chris and I am from Chicago. I have a plaque next to me right now that says, when nothing goes right, go left. <laughs> and I feel like I have lived a good chunk of my life going against norm. And so the challenges are small, but there are many. I would say some of the challenges might have been choosing to be a freelancer for the rest of my life and not knowing where the next check might come from. Mm. Living that sort of life of uncertainty, it might have been choosing you know, to be in a polyamorous relationship instead of choosing the monogamy escalator and just being married by now with kids. Uh, I would say one of the biggest challenges was probably moving to this country not knowing the language at 10 years old having all my friends that i literally was born with be left behind and knowing that that would be a whole version of myself that would never get to become living in peru wow my dad said something to me when we first arrived to the country he said i am now I think it was 47. Yeah, he, he said, I, no, 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 he was 57. Yeah, he was 57 when we came to this country. So he said, I'm 57 years old. He said, most people retire at 65. He said, that means you only have a few years to make something of yourself before I can no longer take care of you. <laughs> and I think that was a challenge that I was forced to accept at a young age. And so I tried to do the best that I could in those short years. And I got lucky so far. My name is John. I am from the west suburbs of Chicago. The biggest challenge for me in my life is to <clears throat> is the constant push and pull between um, depression and not depression. What do you call that? Happiness? I don't know. <laughs> you know, uh, meaning that like, like despite how I sound, despite other things that I've said, I do struggle with negativity in my own like heart and towards myself. Uh, and that's something that I have fought with my entire life is being very, very down on myself. So my, what was the question? My struggle? What? Like the biggest challenge of your the, life. Challenge, you know. So my challenge in life is to continue 
to move forward to do the things that I know I want to do and not let me stop them, you know, because nobody uh, will stop me except for me, you know. Uh, yes, there's, and that goes, I think, for a lot of people. Uh, yes, there's outside forces. There's like the, the you know, global pandemic, y'all. It's the end. <laughs> it's it's the end times, right? But like, it's not really. And 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 I, you know, I still have all the choices to make about how I perceive the world, how I operate in the world, and how I behave towards other people. You know, mm. and no one can stop me or change the way that I do those things except for me. And me personally, I have this negative, I have this voice in my mind that attacks me all the time. And my challenge in life (laughs) is to, is to listen to that voice and be like, voice, I, I hear you. I acknowledge you. Yes. I understand you think I'm a fucking moron, but you know what? Now that I've heard you and acknowledge you, I'm still going to go do the thing I want to do, okay? What was the biggest challenge of your life? <sighs> Kicking opioids. That was rough. That sucked. That was, uh... That's a, that's a constant thing, too. I mean, it just doesn't stop. I mean, I would love to pop a few pills and just kind of vibe away, but, yeah, you can't. I was basically a state-sponsored drug addict for, like, two years in the military because it's easier to throw pills and stuff than to help people. And then, uh, yeah. And then I realized I had to quit that shit. And... Uh, I stopped. Ugh, it was terrible. I was sick. More suicidal than I had ever been, and I had never thought of that. But uh, made it through the other side. Um, you just got to stay aware, constantly aware. And you got to be your own advocate, too, when you go to the docks. You know, if you're hurting, they still want to give you. Dude, they've gotten so much better in the last few years, but they still want to give you payments. And I'm like, eh need something different mm-hmm. you know because the thing is the pain and life you know that you think is going away when you're taking this shit it's not it's it's still there and it comes back to you tenfold but uh if you stand up to it you know it uh it'll make you uh, i don't know a bit stronger in ways that you had never known Still sucks though. I'd love Oxycontin. <laughs> no, because <laughs> I am in constant pain. <laughs> but it is what it is. My name is Sarah, and I'm from a podunk town in Iowa. Finding out I was pregnant and coming to terms with that because. Uh, Even though we had been married seven years, I did not feel that I would be an adequate parent. I didn't feel that I'd be able to deal with it. I was being selfish to a degree. And when I found out I was pregnant, I was very upset about it. And I was upset to the point where even when people would be happy about it, I would try to tell them, don't be happy about it because I'm not happy. And so I had to make 
I had to make some major mental adjustments during that nine, 10 months and, and struggled with that for a really long time. Do you think you've come out better because of it? Absolutely. Um, I, I think it taught me not to be uh, as selfish and self-serving. I didn't think I was being selfish. Um, but I also didn't feel like I wanted to bring a child into that mental environment because of the issues I'd had in the past. And so mentally, I didn't, I didn't feel like I'd be a, a good mother or an adequate mother. Um, and now, almost 10 years later, I'm realizing, you know, I have a, a wonderful daughter that absolutely loves me and I absolutely adore her. And she's the best thing to ever happen to us. And I couldn't imagine my life without her. And I know that's cliche and everybody says that that has kids, but it changes who you are as a person. And, and you're reminded that regardless of what you see out there on social media, these, all these, all these parents that always have an opinion on how you should do things or say things. One thing my mom would always tell me is that is she fed? Is she warm? Is she protected? Is she loved? That's all that matters. You don't have to be a perfect everything. My name is Sean and I am from Chicago. The biggest challenge of my life, um, I think, you know, you know, I live, I, I have a career that I feel like is very, like, very rare. Um, to say that I'm a showman is not something that uh, is common. Like, mm -hmm. for example, like, DJs are a dime a dozen, but MCs are harder to come by, um, especially good MCs. And especially me, um, like, especially being in the Indian community, I'm the only person that does what I do for a living, period. Uh, if you find another showman, uh, in the country that does what I do for a living, especially in my Indian community, like I must meet them um, because I feel very alone in my career. Um, and I know that it's, it's what I'm meant to do and I was born to do, but it isn't easy because uh, my role is constantly taken for granted and also seen unimportant until they actually see what I do. And then they realize the profound effect um, that I'm able to have, especially for people who are trying to celebrate uh, a, a joyous occasion or, or a momentous occasion in their life. So, um, you know, being within my community and my career, um, I think that's probably like you said, greatest challenge. Yeah. So I think that's the, the you know, coming from a traditional South Indian background and, and balancing it with my career um, and, and just my, I guess, uh, a general output of energy, um, and emotional output. I think that's probably my like biggest challenge, but, um, you know, I've, I've made a conscious choice to just not lie to myself and what I need for myself, because I realize that somebody can want what's best for you, but not know what's best for you. That's super true. Yeah. My name is Brandon. I am from Elgin, Illinois. Biggest challenge of my life. Maintaining a business for 20 years. <laughs> it's hard, man. Uh, you know, a lot of people think that when you start a business you, and you're your own boss, you're wealthy and you can take mm -hmm. all the time off you want 
And yeah, 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 yeah. I've, I've heard it all. You have too, I'm sure. <laughs> so because you have a company, because you're self-employed, you have all the free time you want, all the money you could want, you're immediately wealthy, champagne flows from the sky, life is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all great until the 2008 crash hit. And I was scrubbing toilets at night in order to pay the bills to keep trying to get paying work during the day. True story. Um, anytime you hit a hiccup, anytime things get difficult, um, when you're self-employed, it's 10 times harder or a hundred times harder than anyone who's employed because employed people, they have the security of being employed or if they lose their job, they have the security of unemployment. They've built up a resume throughout the years. When they go to another company, the, the company wants to see their work history. Whereas somebody who's been self-employed, especially for any length of time, you mm. don't have the security of a paycheck. You don't have a security of unemployment. If you go to get a real job, they're going to wonder why you weren't working for a real company for the last however many years, why you were doing your own thing. And they're going to look at you more skeptically. Being self-employed and maintaining a business, just surviving alone uh, for any length of time can be a tremendous, tremendously difficult thing. Uh, yeah, they're great times. There are times where the, the money's just flowing in. You don't have to work that hard and you're just, you're just rolling in the dough and you better put all that money aside because you're going to have just as many times, if yeah. not more, where you're eating ramen noodles because they're only 40 cents a packet. And that's almost a splurge at during this week. Um, uh, you know, you, you don't get WIC, you don't get uh, food stamps, you don't get, you know, anything from the government to help you survive when you hit those lean times. Uh, and, you know, it's the, the most difficult thing I've done is maintain a company you know, to be self-employed for 20 years, uh, 21 years, actually, this April. Um, so, yeah, I've been self-employed for 21 years. That is a very hard thing to do. Uh, it's rewarding in a lot of ways, but it is not easy. It is the most difficult thing I've ever done. And I've got a feeling it'll be the most difficult thing I continue to do. My name is Rob and I am from the Midwest in America. Probably getting over the emotional and psychological barriers and going back to school and getting my degrees. Uh, I didn't go back until my 40s to get even my associates. And there was a lot of baggage that was stopping me, a lot of self-confidence issues and those voices in your head and those external voices, you know, that I was listening to. And that was probably the biggest challenge of saying, damn them, I'm going to do this because I know this is going to better our lives. And then after I got two bachelor's degrees, I said, I'm done. <laughs> There's no way. Even though we kept joking, master's by 50. And then at like 48, we went, crap, I'm going back for a master's. Even though that master's was not for a job. Everybody I was in class with was talking about how it was for their job. I get X amount more. I get X promotion. I said, well, we have our own business. It means nothing to that. It's only about the knowledge. And I'm here for the knowledge. So the biggest barriers and the biggest challenges were, were getting past those, those mental blocks that were stopping me from being educated. My name is Stella. 
and I'm from Chicago. Slowing down. Um, for whatever reason, in this lifetime, I feel like I need to just go, go, go. And I've always needed to have my hand in 30 different things and my brain's needed to work in 30 different ways at the same time. And um, that's my biggest challenge. And I'm still a work in progress on that. We'll see. We are Lauren and Ryan, and we are from Chicago, Illinois. So the biggest challenge of uh, my life was definitely when my son was in the hospital. He was born prematurely at 25 weeks, and we were in the hospital for six months, you know, going through. We didn't think he was going to make it, live or die. Mm. And I just remember being a young kid at the age of 23, just driving in the hospital every single day and, you know, having this teeny tiny little baby that's hooked up to tubes and wires and it was just so hard and so devastating and I felt so mm. alone like you know his dad was really young he didn't know how to cope his way of coping was kind of not being there and it wasn't his fault it was just like he just couldn't handle it his way of coping was going to work and pretending everything was fine right mm -hmm. um, my family was there but it wasn't the same you know so it was definitely definitely a challenge and then my challenge is still my son um, because just life issues and I'm not with his father and him and I have arguments and then my son is also autistic and nonverbal. So he he's a life challenge every single time that we do have him um, and just kind of getting through each day. But he's still amazing. He's worth it. So definitely. he's been my biggest challenge for sure, but he's definitely worth all of that. So my biggest life challenge uh, is going to be a little more internal. Uh, the thing that has certainly caused me the most struggle and strife in life, uh, in life is addiction. Um, I, that rebellious nature that I have, um, you know, caused me very early on to gravitate towards, you know, the pot culture. Um, I wasn't, you know, I would kind of swing in and out by the time I reached, you know, probably a sophomore in high school, I cleaned up my act and got very into the outdoors and things, but I, I mm. definitely started with substances a little way younger than I should have. Um, and, and I think with my genetics, you know, my family definitely has a history of, uh, struggles with alcoholism and things like that. So, so genetically I had the predisposition, then I have the rebellious nature and, uh, over time, you know, what I found is that, you know, more and more, uh, it was controlling me and I certainly wasn't controlling it. Um, I've had struggles with alcohol. I've even had struggles with cannabis, which a lot of people view as uh, completely innocuous. And for the most part it is, I mean, I don't view it as a terrible thing at all, but like anything else, right. It's having respect for it, right. It's, it's not getting carried away. It's using things in moderation and, and in the right settings, right. You know, make it social, don't isolate, you know, mm -hmm. things like that. But, um, over time, you know, that, that became more and more of a struggle. And, you know, as you, as, as you begin to integrate that into your life as a coping mechanism, right? That's where it becomes all the more scary because then you're, you're using it to cope with some set of circumstances. And, uh, and eventually you find that it's using you, uh, you're not using it. And, and that's a scary place to awaken and say, I've lost control of this. And uh, now I have to figure out what I have to do and, and I'm not capable of necessarily doing it just on my own. 
So, you know, that's, that's been the biggest challenge I've had in life. Um, you know, I have, a, I could talk for hours about it, but, um, it's something I'm very passionate about. And if, if anyone, uh, needs any help in that regard or ever wants to talk about addiction related issues, I'm very open. And Jason, you can feel free to share my information. If you know anyone who's struggling, who needs help. Yep. Uh, Ryan did not mention that he actually does not drink. Um, and we, we've had a lot of ups and downs with it, as he mentioned. Um, and I don't want to say he's not allowed to drink because that sounds terrible, but he shouldn't be drinking. I am not allowed to he drink. He is not allowed to drink. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we've had we've had some tough times through that, but we've gotten through them. Um, I'm so proud of him for everything that he's been able to kind of get through and kind of fighting these demons. So we work together. I do drink. Um, but if there's ever a problem and he needs it out of the house, we take it out of the house. I'll stop mm. drinking. You know, we're very, we're very open about that kind of stuff. I'll never say to him, you can't stop me from drinking. We definitely yeah. work together and whatever. And Heineken came out with a 0.0 anyway, which was, yeah. is great. So, so he can drink that can with still friends. have a beer with friends, yep. you know? My name is Brett and I'm from Chicago, Illinois. I think the biggest challenge in my life is just, I'm very ADD and it makes, makes a lot of things hard. It makes relationships hard. It makes work hard. It makes staying organized hard. It's the stuff it does in your daily life and the way it just sabotages you is un, just unbelievable. And so I think if I could cure that, although I don't know that I would because I would lose some of that creativity, I think, because that's kind of what the meds do, but it has really wrecked havoc on different parts of my life at different times. So I think that's probably the biggest challenge. Hi, my name is Chris. I'm from Elgin, Illinois. What was the biggest challenge of your life? I think getting to understand this. I think, um, you, you know, um, not being enlightened may not be the right word, but not understanding what was important. And, you know, the first 30 so years of my life kind of just, you know, not only say lost in the stream, that's not the right way to say it, but not having the right goal is time that was really, really wasted. Um, when you could have done so much more with your life. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm envious isn't the right word, but I'm, it really makes me happy when I see, especially younger people that have, that are really grounded and, and really truthful and very passionate about the things that they want to do and aren't so absorbed in all of the things and all of the, you know, that, that, uh, adultness where we we're chasing this money and doing all that stuff isn't important to them. And I hope that they can keep that because I've seen it both ways. I mean, I, you know, I grew up in a in the North Shore of Chicago, where not everybody, but the general rule is I need to succeed and get what I can and do all that stuff. And not, you know, again, the people that are probably the most successful are the ones that never even thought about that stuff. They just tried to be the best people they could be, and they're the ones that are happiest and doing the best, you know, all the way around. So because money doesn't, you know, solve it. I know lots of people with lots of money, and they're the most miserable people in the world. So what's the point? Especially if you're gonna, especially if you're gonna be here for eighty or ninety years, because it doesn't matter. If you're a jerk, you're gonna be a jerk, and you'll be alone. 
So that's the way it goes. My name is Potato Johnson, and I am from Crystal Lake, Illinois. What was the biggest challenge of your life? Mm. Biggest challenge. I honestly think getting a real job. I don't say career because I, I, when they say where do you see yourself in five years, I have no frigging clue uh, because I'm just kind of flying by the seat of my pants, but it's, there's a lot of learning that uh, I have to kind of pick up as I go to try and maintain a position and feel like I'm not, you know, and not have imposter syndrome. Mm. So I think that's because I get frustrated if I'm not good at things right away. So when I have to really, really, really work, like learning new ERP systems like SAP and stuff, I was really frustrated for a long time. So getting into that mindset where, you know, I can just sit down and look at a computer and try to figure things out. And especially with like programming, because the algebra I'm dog shit in and always have been, and that's everything in programming. So, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a geometry person. I build things. I'd much rather be a carpenter, but you know, this is what I was handed. So it's kind of like trying to, not be uh, to put it in the nineties term, not be a poser, you know, to actually know what I'm talking about and maintain a, a decent job to, so that I can afford to pay for things. Hello, my name's Dan from Cambridge, UK. What was the biggest challenge of your life? <laughs> Probably dealing with losing someone very close and being quite ill and going a bit crazy and homeless and pulling my life back together, really. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah, I think um, six years ago I was sleeping on the streets. So. And now I have a comic and a home. Some sort of a life. I even got a car and learned to drive and getting a life back, and then the world shut. <laughs> I think the ability to laugh in these kind of situations is a is a powerful medicine. Oh, yeah, you have to. Otherwise, you know, it's a grim reality. My name is Zach. I live in Fort Worth, Texas. Basic training, United States Army. Why? I did not think that it was something that I could accomplish. I learned things about myself I didn't know, and I pushed myself past limits that I had set for myself. That I'm just unaware that I had set that limit for myself. I did things that I did not think I could do. Um, but it's, it's, it's crazy what, what you can accomplish with the right mindset. 
And I definitely pushed myself over the limits, past the walls, and I kind of broke through some barriers, but I did it. And I'm, I'm proud to say I did. My name is Mark Allen Fishman. I am from Homewood, Illinois. The biggest challenge, uh, it's every day. It's just putting in the work that needs to be done in a world of astounding distraction everywhere. Having the ability to tune it all out long enough to do the things that I need to do to keep food on the table, uh, a roof over our heads, power and plumbing and everything else that goes into this house or any other place I live, gas in the cars and um, somehow managing the steep mountain of debt that sits behind me and everybody else. Doing that is really hard. I know that I've detailed previously um, looking failure in the face and figuring out a way to work around it. That is definitely hard and taking care of myself and making the right decisions, food and fitness wise, those count. But um, it's really the taking that at the 40,000 foot view. It's having to do that all the time. That's the hardest part, knowing that slipping up in any one of those facets could result in some just bad things happening if you don't keep the wheels on the tracks. My name is Marie and I am from St. Paul, Minnesota. Right now that would be dealing with a chronic illness, navigating the world of how do I how do I work now? Uh, am I going to be protected? What if I have to switch doctors? Um, what am I supposed to eat? When am I going to get a kidney donor? There's, there's a lot that goes into not only having an autoimmune disease, but then having kidney failure on top of it. And when you have something to this degree, your health becomes your full-time job. And I, I had to learn to try to balance some kind of part-time work with my health. And it took a while for me to adjust to that. Um, and it, it took some anxiety and some depression, but in the end, I had to figure out that if I need help, that I should seek that help and to not be afraid of it, but to also know that I should take it one day at a time and that I will adjust and I can get through it. My name is M. I am from Chicago, Illinois. What was the biggest challenge of your life? Um, okay, well, once again, I've had quite a few. Uh, I would say um, 
one of the biggest challenges of my life was um, homeschooling. Uh, we have a, a gifted child and um, at three, I put her in, we put her in preschool and I picked her up on the first day and she came out and said, these teachers know nothing about authors. <laughs> and I said, yes, they do. Like what happened? And she's like, well, I was trying to tell them that Rosemary Wells also illustrated this and did this and, and um, whatever. And I was like, okay. Yeah. Um, she just, she, she came out the one day and she said, there's something very wrong with the children. <laughs> she was three. <laughs> I said, no, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> it's you. It's okay. Uh, you just have to adjust it, like get to the fact that that's you. Um, so we knew then like she made it about two weeks and then my husband's like, could you please get her out of there? So, um, yeah, we did. Uh, and I took her to, to get ice cream and I looked at her and I said, you never have to go back. And she just sort of fell down onto the table and, oh, thank God. And I was like, if you don't like preschool, we're so dead. Um, so for me, that was really terrifying because I didn't know what I was doing. And I had a terrible, I was a terrible student. Um, and, um, and I just was like, oh my God, like, how am I going to do this? And, and she was, she actually at three years old looked at me afterward, you know, I told her like, okay, I'm going to homeschool. Like, we're just going to figure it out. And she looked at me and she's like, what qualifies you to teach me? <laughs> and I'm not kidding you. She said that to me, like, what am I? So I had to give her my resume. Like <laughs> I had to tell her my resume and, and I was like, okay, I'm in over my head. Like with this kid, like, I, I'm not the parent here, you know? Um, so I had to explain to her, I'm not going to be your teacher. I'll be your facilitator. I'm just going to get you the materials you need. Like, I'm just going to make sure you have the opportunities <laughs> you need and the materials you need and whatever. And now she's, you know, 13 and she's in AP courses and doing all sorts of things through homeschool. And she's done it all her, like she just does stuff. And, and, and so thank God, because I, I'm like <laughs> over here going, I, I don't know, I got nothing, you know? Um, so she's, yeah. So I think that was, that was a really, really scary um, challenge for me and not something that I sought to do. Um, and I think people don't necessarily realize that about homeschooling is that we're not all denim jean wearing denim jean skirt uh, wearing um fanatical Christians who are going, I don't want my child in the world. Like we're not doing that. 99.9% .9 of homeschoolers are homeschooling because the schools couldn't meet their child's needs. They don't, they don't, they don't deal with gifted kids mm. other than giving them extra math worksheets. And that's not gifted learning. And they don't understand that most gifted kids are underachieving and are your problem students. And so when Molly and I go into the school, you know, week after week, and we just look at each other and go, Oh God, that kid is so good. Like he's just <laughs> lost in here, you know? And, um, and so there, there are things like that, that, um, you know, they, it made, it made it very scary, scary for me and very challenging because most of it fell on me. Um, and, and now Rob does math though. Cause she got way past me. I was like, okay, I could get up to like fifth grade <laughs> <You're gonna laughs> me around fractions kid, you know? Um, so she's, you know, and she's actually done like, he's a, he's a college professor 
and he she has done his classes like she takes his and she actually did most of his um his master's degree um in marketing she she did with him so yeah so she has a lot of opportunities to uh to really work at her level um and be able to really push herself and see what she's capable of but um but uh but yeah that was really daunting very daunting Stories make us all feel a little more connected to the world. Like, no matter what challenge you're going through, know that you're not alone, even though sometimes it does feel like it, especially in times like this. We are all in this together. Whether you're working or not, whether whatever challenge is going on right now, know that this shit happening right now, you're gonna get through. And you're gonna be so much stronger and better and smarter when this is all done. You're going to come through this with flying colors. And these are cliches, but I don't give a shit. I'm telling you exactly how I feel and exactly what I believe. We will be okay. What's a story in your life? What was the biggest challenge of your life? Send us an email at behindeverystory at gmail.com. And thank you so much for joining us here on Behind Every Story. If you like what you heard, please consider subscribing on your favorite podcast streaming app or sharing our podcast with your friends and family. Or even more fun, just share it with random people. And if you can, we would really appreciate if you could head on over to iTunes and give us a five-star review and let us know why you like this show. Because the more reviews we have, the more ears can listen to us and people who own those ears. Make sure you like us and follow us on Facebook at Behind Every Story Podcast to stay up to date on all our newest episodes. And you can always find us on BehindEveryStory.com. Great storytellers make the world a smaller, more intimate place. And thank you to all the storytellers out there, big and small. And thank you so much to our guests this week who bared their soul on the biggest challenge of their life. Brett, Bob, Brandon, Chris, Chris, Daniel, John, Lauren, and Ryan, M, Mark, Marie, Michael, Tato Johnson, Rob, Sarah, Stella, Sean, and Zach. I've been your storyteller, Jason Ostercamp, and it's been a pleasure sitting around the campfire with you. Join us again next time when I ask everyone, what is something that no one knows about you? We'll see you next time on Behind Every Story.